702. The Political Desk. All right, uh, it's the political story you really cannot ignore. Many, many lessons to be learned uh, for us here in South Africa. The major development, of course, coming out of Lebanon in Beirut. The entire government, including the Prime Minister Hassan Diab, have resigned. This is amid uh, the mounting anger over that explosion that has killed, what, nearly 200 people now and devastated large parts of the capital. That announcement comes after protests and civilians who've clashed with the police. Protesters have been blaming the government for corruption and negligence, saying that is what led to that explosion. The Africa Muslim Agency is a humanitarian agency uh, that has a team in Beirut, and they've been responding to the growing humanitarian crisis there. Uh, We are joined now by CEO Imran uh, uh, Chunara on the line. Imran, a very good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, Bongani, it's an uh, absolute pleasure being with you this morning. Uh, look, uh, it's it's difficult to really, I mean, we've spoken to a couple of people who are on the ground in Beirut, uh, but from a humanitarian point of, of view, it's difficult to describe the, cur- the current crisis and the extent of it at the moment, but also what is now going to happen in the weeks and months to come. Absolutely. But I think, you know, to put this in context, as you so rightly introduced it, was that this is an ongoing, uh, this is not something that happened this weekend or last week because of the explosion. The anger and frustration on the ground in the streets of Lebanon, uh, this particular anger and frustration started over a year ago when the fires swept through the whole country of Lebanon in September, October last year. And then there was the WhatsApp tax that was imposed, which led to the revolution in, uh, in October last year, which actually the people of Lebanon felt quite positive about. They felt it was quite successful because it forced the hand of, of, of the resignation of the prime minister. At that point, Saad Hariri. So he resigned at that point, and then, but it took three months for the government to then get a new prime minister, which was Hassan Diab, which now resigned, as you know, yesterday, of course. Now, you see, why is that, why is that such a challenge? Yeah. Because the, the country has been faced with so many crises. For example, after that was then, of course, the banking crisis with the capital controls, the economic crisis, and then, of course, the pandemic. So when the explosion, at the time of the explosion, the country was sitting at 60% unemployment. The explosion just completely dest- caused so much destruction, which leaves the people uh, feeling hopeless, feeling angry and frustrated because of one crisis after another. Now, to put it in a political context, uh, Bongani, we'll come back to the humanitarian which is the aspect which is mind-blowing. But you, you see, why is it such a challenge is that, of course, over the weekend, as you so rightly said, about seven ministers resigned. Uh, and, and, uh, and then, of course, Hassan Diab resigned, which basically leaves Lebanon without a functioning government. Now, obviously, that brings uh, uh, some challenges, as you would imagine. But why the people are still so angry? is that because this political system in Lebanon is based on a system, first of all, it's very sectarian, based on religious and sectarian lines. It's very divided. So the Constitution of Lebanon states that the president of the house has to be a Maronite Christian, the speaker of parliament has to be a Shia Muslim, and uh, the prime minister has to be a Sunni Muslim. So you can imagine when Hassan Diab resigns, the only other option they give the people to vote for back into the prime minister's seat is Saad Hariri, which is the previous one that resigned. And that, uh, yeah. People, you see what I'm saying? So people feel so frustrated because there's no other options for their political system if you're voting in the same people 
that resigned previously. That were the cause of the problems. Yeah. Talk to me because I think, and I've been saying this throughout this crisis, this current crisis, that there are big lessons for us to learn in our part of the world. Talk to me about how uh, you mentioned now the sectarian politics at the root of uh, what has gone wrong there. But talk yeah. to me about how a political class that has really looked after its own interests and ignored the people that it governs can now find itself in a crisis like this that is going to deepen. Um, as, of course, uh, we're going to see now things like food shortages. You're talking about 60% yep. unemployment. How does a country yep. like that even begin to think about recovery? Absolutely, Bongani. Good question. First of all, you know, UN Food Agency declared now a couple of days ago that 85% of their grain was destroyed. The country is facing starvation prior to the explosion of facing starvation. And the political elite, of course, uh, were, 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 the, the level of corruption is insane. And in South Africans, we need to take a lesson from that because, like you so rightly said, for Lebanon to recover, it needs massive reform on a constitutional level because all they're doing all the time is re-electing same people. Because there's only three options, so to speak. You know, it has to be this, has to be that, has to be that. And you don't have much of a choice. And in South Africa, we have to be very conscious of that because we don't want to be in a situation where we end up with a political elite and the masses of people face starvation or face hunger because at some point the human spirit will rise up. We know that from our own history in South Africa that you cannot stop the human spirit forever. It will eventually rise up. So that country is facing massive starvation right now. 85% of yeah. the grain supplies have been destroyed. Also, the, the, they remember there's still got capital controls, which means people can't get money out of the banking systems. And um, so for that to help, for, for massive reform to help, it has to happen on a constitutional level. Right now, NGOs around the world, like us, we're not the only ones. There are many NGOs around the world that are obviously helping the Lebanese people. But the, 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 the international community has to come together to be able to step in, first of all, to deal with the starvation crisis. 300,000 people left displaced just in Beirut from last week. Thousands of families with nothing, nothing happening around them, their complete lives destroyed. That's besides, Bongali, that's besides the refugee crisis that they've been dealing with from Syria and Palestine over the last, what, eight, nine, ten years already uh, from yeah. Syria. Yeah, and even uh, even before that, right? I mean, uh, Lebanon was for a time the headquarters of the PLO back in the days, right? Iran, good luck to you. Um, uh, We'll keep in touch with you. Do tell us uh, what happens uh, once you land in Beirut, uh, and we'll keep uh, an eye on this story because I think there are lessons uh, for us in this country. I mean, uh, the people in in Lebanon have to deal with uh, power cuts uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, There's a lack of safe drinking water, limited public health care, uh, they've got uh, poor internet connections. Some of that sounds familiar to us. And this is the path that corruption leads to.